Well, that first song that we sang this morning, um, it encapsulated much of what um, is on David and my heart to share today. And just before I share a word for, for the church, um, I believe that for a number of individuals here today, um, God's word to you is that for many of you, it's a year of new beginnings. It's a year of new beginnings. Mm, and um, I haven't got time to unfold how that came about, but God revealed that in an incredibly profound way. So I know that this is his heart for you. And for us as a church, as CU, this is just part of what I feel God is saying. I'm going to share some more tonight. But, you know, as um, David and I stepped up onto the platform, you know, today is the 11th of January, and a few months ago, Holy Spirit really highlighted that, that date, the 11th, and pr in prophetic terms, it means tra transition and shift, and I felt him say that as we stepped up onto the platform um, we are going to step up or shift into higher levels of God's presence and power, higher levels in Him. And He's been speaking much about this to me personally, as well as confirming words from other people as well. But there is far more than this. What I felt the Lord say is that what David and I were doing, stepping up those steps to this higher level of the platform, that that was a prophetic picture for the whole of CU as a church. God is wanting to step all of us up into a higher level in Him. So will you receive that by faith today? It's also a shift, I feel, to a fresh revelation of the kingdom of God. It's a start of a new season for CU of increased manifestation of the kingdom of God. And as we seek first God's kingdom and we pursue his righteousness, we will see greater signs of his kingdom power in transformed lives and miracles. So this is a little bit of what God has in store for us. And I feel excited about it. Now, what I'm going to share now pertains to us, but it's also a word I feel for the church globally. Um, it's a major word, one word, hope. I feel God is going to shift us into a place of incredible hope, his people all around the world. This word I received last year, raise a sound to heaven and release heaven's sound. And last year I shared that the sound we are to raise is worship. The season of singing has come. And I'm going to unpack release heaven's sound, the sound of hope. And with it, with the sound of hope, will come the sound of the Spirit. The breath or wind of the Spirit is going to be released from heaven. And why do I say that? Acts 2.22, suddenly, a sound came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And the Greek literally translates a mighty breath borne onwards. And we sang that song, Can You Hear It? The sound of heaven touching earth. And I feel I have heard it in the spirit. A few months ago during worship in a conference, the, here is an extract I hear a sound coming from heaven, 
the sound of the roaring of the mighty wind of the Spirit. It is coming. It is coming. It will sweep the fire of God around the world. And as the Spirit breathes the breath of life on the dry bones of lost hope, that's Ezekiel's valley, they will rise up a great army of sons and daughters. Resurrection power will be manifest. What is dead will live. There will be a reviving of lost hope. A vast army full of hope will rise up. And this is, um, this, is this on fire army. I've had visions of this fire on uh, uh, this army full of fire, and it's a burning hope that they carry, and they will release the sound of hope across the earth. God, our Savior, is the hope of all the ends of the earth. So in this season, this new season of spring that God is currently bringing his church into, this is what I believe he is up to. He is reviving lost hope. He is awakening dormant hope. He is restoring weak hope. As I say, God is wanting to impart to us a burning hope that will never never die, so that all of his people will stand firmly, firmly with strong hope, that we'll be full of hope to overflow. And I feel the Holy Spirit is urging, let hope rise. Let hope rise. Wherever your hope is today, God wants to shift it to a whole new level in him. Amen. You know, um, one of the things you do when you have a prophetic gift is you sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, ask the Lord about the coming year, and um, we sort of diligently do that um, in the previous year, and, and kind of all I was getting for this year, 2015, is it going to be more of the same of last year in terms of world events, in fact, maybe an escalation, and I, therefore, I think we're going to have a troubled year internationally. Certainly the events in France have kicked that off. Um, and I think hopelessness is going to increase in the world, or lack of hope will increase. But I think what Greta is, <clears throat> excuse me, what Greta is saying is true, that God wants his people to be stronger in hope than ever before. So I want to talk to you quickly about finding unshakable hope. And um, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, I think we've got a PowerPoint, there it is, yeah, um, always be ready or prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Of course, our hope is Jesus Christ. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, it's very hard to have hope. When you know him, when he's in your life, when you know that he's coming back to rule the world, he's going to sort out all the problems. Not that we're waiting for the problems to be sorted out just when Jesus comes back, because we have a mandate now to step into the world and help bring answers. But people of hope can really begin to impart that hope to other people. And I think there's a time coming, maybe already now, but certainly increasing, where people um, who don't have hope are going to uh, see others who do have hope and want to know where's the source. 
They're going to say to us, where are you drinking from? What well are you drinking from? What is it in your life that you see all this stuff happening in the world, yet you have this hope? You have something about you. You have this presence about you. And, um, and I remember um, a time when we built our home 10 years ago, and we got to the landscaping bit, and uh, the landscaping designer said, I think it would be great if you stuck some garden lighting in. And so I said, okay, let's do it. And the electrician came and wired it up and he left mid-afternoon. And so I went and turned the lights on and I had to go up really closely and examine each and every light to see whether it was working. And then when we, I turned them off, we waited for dark. And when it was pitch dark, I turned them on again. Wow, it was amazing. There was a beautiful spotlight shining on a water feature. There was one shining on a lovely tree, another on a garden sculpture, a couple of downlights shining on the lawn. It just looked amazing. And the point of that story is garden lighting works best at nighttime. And hope shines best when things are bad. That's how it, you know, and so, see, you know, the world doesn't notice the church that much when everything's going well. But when there's problems, when there's difficulties in the world, and the church stands up with a radiant hope, we're going to be noticed. Arise, shine. Uh, Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And when gross darkness covers the nations, people will come to the rising of your light. And I believe part of that light is hope. I think Western secular humanism is bringing emptiness and despair to so many people. And people are adrift. There's no absolutes. There's no moral compass. People are just adrift in a sea of relativism. There's no values. And the Bible says hope is the anchor for our soul. So if you have hope, you're going to be anchored even when the world is stormy and the sea of the world is storm-tossed and people are getting tossed up and down. Nations, you know, Islam, radical Islam is causing a storm in the earth right now. Secularism is causing a storm morally in the earth right now. But people that have hope will have an anchor. You won't be tossed by it. You won't be disturbed by it. And Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, God's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. But one of His defining characteristics is He's a God of hope. And the God of hope is going to fill his kids with his hope as we trust in him. It's not by positive thinking. It's not by cajoling yourself into some positive frame of mind. It's not by receiving a pep talk. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I can have hope in the midst of adversity. It's a supernatural thing. And as we trust in him, that that peace, that joy will begin to flood our hearts. Now you might be asking what hope is because we do use that word very lightly these days. We would say things like, um, I hope the weather's nice when we go on holiday. I hope I get the job I had the interview for. So we use the word a little like wishful thinking these days. But biblical hope is a very much stronger word. When you study the Greek and Hebrew words of the Bible that define hope, then we can get a, um, a definition like this, that hope is a confident and patient expectation of good. A confident and patient expectation of good. It is confident because it believes in the goodness of God. That God is good no matter what happens. Uh, 
I think it was Dr. Larry Crabb that wrote a book called Finding God, and he said, you know, for a lot of Christians today, feeling better has become more important than finding God. Wow. You know you're finding God, he says, when you believe that God is good no matter what happens. You know you're finding God when you believe that God is good no matter, what, no matter what you see on your TV screen, no matter what happens to you personally, no matter what goes on this year internationally, globally, nationally, in your family, you as an individual, you know you're finding God if you believe He's good no matter what happens. And that takes faith when all the evidence shouts otherwise. So it's confident because it believes that <clears throat> God is a good God, and if God is a good God, then He has got good plans for His children that ultimately be, will be worked out. Never try and figure it out short term. In the short term, things might look real bad, but in the long term, God works all things together for good to those who love Him. That's how it is. And He will work out His plans. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, hope decreases in direct proportion to our loss of understanding of God's goodness. And if you want to turn that in the positive, hope increases in direct proportion to the increase of our understanding of God's goodness. Many are losing hope today in the world because of the problems. There just seems to be no answers for the difficulties that are out there in the nation. These are turbulent times. Even many Christians are losing hope. And one of the reasons for that is that promises that they feel they've had from God, prophetic words they might have received, desires of their heart that they might have uh, expressed to God, or dreams that they may have had of seeing some things happen, have not come to pass. And so it's easy to become disappointed. And if you stay in disappointment, it can turn to disillusionment. And if you stay in disillusionment, it can turn to cynicism so that you actually stop believing. You stop having hope for the future. You go, oh, you know, God's going to heal the sick. And, and tonight in the open heaven meeting, we're just going to have a time where we wait on God, where there will be ministry to the sick, but, uh, but also there'll be ministry of the Holy Spirit to to our lives so that we can begin this year with a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, if we're a little cynical, we say, oh, you know, God heals the sick. Oh, yeah, we go. God meets financial needs. We go, oh, yeah. God heals relationships. Oh, but you don't know how bad mine is. And so disappointment sets us up to be cynical, and hope keeps our souls sweet. We're not cynical. We're like little children. Wow, God heals the sick. Yeah, I'm in for that. You know, we're going to step out of the, of the boat this year and meet Jesus on the waters. Yeah, I believe for that. Hope, it's not, it's not being silly. It's just believing that God is a good God no matter what happens. I think one of the reasons that sometimes Christians lose hope is that we fail to understand the processes that God uses to create hope in us because it's such a powerful thing. Um, and, you know, he'll use a lot of things. He'll use the Word of God. He'll use prophecy. He'll use the encouragement of other peoples to produce hope. And, you know, certainly the Word of God is a very powerful tool he uses. But one of the other tools that he uses a lot is trouble and suffering. Because Romans 5, 3, and 4 says, um, suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. 
Or as Hosea the prophet said in Hosea 2.15, uh, in, in God says, as God speaking through the prophet, he's saying, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. So what God does is, you know, all of us at different times in our lives will enter valleys of trouble. And, you know, if you're not in one at the moment, cheer up. It's coming. You, you will enter it. You will not be left out. It, you know, it will happen for you. So I don't want anyone to feel left out this morning. I just want you to feel encouraged. And, uh, but, you know, the great thing about that is that God's valleys of troubles, if we handle them correctly, are be can be transformed into gateways of hope. In other words, the valley of trouble that you enter, you don't have to stay trapped in it. You can get through it, and when you come through the other side, you'll be stronger in hope, stronger in faith, and stronger in your love for God than ever before. And yet some people stay trapped in the valleys of trouble, getting offended at God, getting bitter, getting cynical, and they camp there, and it ends up becoming the valley of dead, dry bones. Now, even that can be resurrected, but far better to find the keys that will transform your valley of trouble into a gateway of hope than to languish there in discouragement. And uh, I wrote a book because, and it's in its third edition now, it's called Hope, Finding the Gateway to a Better Future. And I wanted to uh, write some stories uh, from my own life and others' lives and some uh, great teaching on hope. And I believe that book will really help you figure out some keys that will transform valleys of trouble into gateways of hope. Maybe you know someone you need to give it to. So that's available at the information desk at the end of the meeting. So just please check that out because I know it'll be a great encouragement to you. I remember um, when my first wife, Jane, was alive, and, and as you know, many of you know, she was in a wheelchair, and we went off to Hillsong Conference one year, and I think there was something like 20,000, 30,000 people, so when you're in a wheelchair, you get there early. So we got there real early one day, and we were sat in the disability section, and we were the first there, um, and I sat next to Jane, and then a few minutes later, I heard the whir of an electric wheelchair coming down the corridor behind us. And as I turned around, I was amazed to see a young man in an electric wheelchair uh, swoop in and just park a couple of spaces over. And as I looked, I was aghast to see that he uh, had no arms or legs. All he had was half a foot sticking out the bottom of his torso on the right. And with that half a foot, he controlled his wheelchair, raised it up and down, and moved it around. And I went over to say hi to him. I said, hi, I'm David from New Zealand. He, he said, hi, I'm Nick. And, uh, and he told me a little bit about himself, and, uh, and he, he stunned me. As I told him what I did, and, uh, and he said, well, he said, I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> I'm thinking, he's a man with no arms and legs. He's a motivational speaker. He said, I speak in churches and businesses and, and schools all over the world. I'm going, wow. And the last time I saw Nick was a year or two ago. He was on uh, American uh, Christian TV uh, preaching to an audience of millions. And, and, and I've discovered that now he is a resident in the United States and he is doing evangelistic crusades all over the world and last count had, had seen more than 200,000 people come to Christ, um, has just recently got married and had a, had a baby. Uh, God's just doing amazing things through Nick. And the thing about Nick is that he was born into a valley of trouble. Mum didn't take any funny drugs. It just didn't all happen in the womb as it should have. 
And he was literally born into a valley of trouble, but he had discovered the gateway of hope in his valley of trouble. And as I look around the room, I don't see too many people without arms and legs. So your problem and my problem, your valley and my valley, isn't as great as what Nick was facing, and yet he has found the gateway of hope in his valley of trouble and is bearing incredible fruit as a result. You know, one of the things that can happen is you're hoping for things to take place, and inevitably as they are delayed, because the delays of God are one of the hardest things to handle in the Christian life. You know, you're praying for something, you're believing for something, you have a prophetic word, you expect it to happen, and yet time seems to go by, and time stretches out, and you're still waiting. And Proverbs 13 verse 12 warns us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But then it goes on to say, desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I know there are times in our lives when you're hoping for something, you're believing for something, you're trusting God for something. Maybe it's for a relationship, maybe it's for a healing, a breakthrough of some sort, just for your life to get better, just for heaven to break in upon your situation, maybe for revival to come to a nation. So many of us have been praying for revival for decades, and it's so easy to let hope be deferred in that area, and you just kind of give up, or you look at the Muslim world and say, that just seems so impossible. But, you know, God is the God of the impossible, and I believe He can do amazing things. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I remember saying to the Lord once, that's exactly how I felt because you see I'd had a dream when Jane and I were first married and in that dream I saw my wife and I traveling to the nations of the earth preaching the word of God and then she got worse and worse with the multiple sclerosis that she had and ended up in a wheelchair uh, for 16 years before she passed away and that dream just looked impossible and I thought well maybe you'll do a miracle of healing and the dream can be resurrected but the more we went on and the worse she got I still believe for a miracle but I have to be honest the hope of ever seeing that dream fulfilled just seemed to die and my heart became a little sick and I said to the Lord one day Lord I feel heart sick about this whole thing and he said son don't don't forget that desire fulfilled is a tree of life I'm going to change the season over your life from one of hope deferred to one of desire fulfilled and I thought wow that means a miracle but I didn't realize that that would involve Jane going to be with heaven to be with the Lord in heaven and, and sometime later, Greta widowed herself coming into my life. And, and two, I think it was two months after we were married, we stepped out into full-time itinerant ministry. And now my wife and I are traveling to the nations of the earth, preaching the word of God, literally. And it took 32 years for that dream to be fulfilled. You see, God doesn't waste anything. If he speaks into your life and it really is him, then don't give up on that dream. Don't try and make it happen yourself because I almost had to die to the dream and then God resurrected it. And sometimes your hope gets to the point where it's dead and buried. But God can resurrect it. It's a word from him. He can resurrect it. I love what Zechariah 9 verse 12 says. It says, Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners, for there is yet hope. I promise this very day that I'll repay you two mercies for each of your woes or double for your trouble. And um, two mercies for each of your woes is what the New Living Translation says. The other is the um, NIV. 
I love that. Two mercies for every woe. I remember a young couple um, in a church I was part of previously, and uh, they'd been trying for many years to have a baby. She couldn't conceive, and then finally miraculously she conceived after years of trying and they were so excited and so thrilled that they were going to have this baby and and about four months into the pregnancy she started bleeding heavily one night they rushed to the hospital and overnight she lost the baby and you know they were devastated they were heartbroken this is the baby they'd prayed for for years believing God and then so excited that God had finally answered their prayer and then the baby dies well, they got on serving God. They were running a ministry outreach to, to children in a, in a very needy uh, school, and they just kept doing and pouring into the lives of others. And about a year later, she conceived again. This time, the doctor said, you're going to have bed rest your whole pregnancy. You're going to just do very little. And, and so she went full time and got a full term and gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl. When God says he'll repay us two mercies for every woe, he's not kidding. And I know some stories don't turn out like that, but they will in eternity. Because if you make hope your place of safety, what is our fortress, people? Our fortress is Jesus. He is our strength. And in in him, we have hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We need to, in 2015, when the world gets a bit shaken up and things get a little worse than they maybe even were in 2014, I'm talking on a global level. I'm not prophesying that to you individually. May your year be better than last year. Amen. I'm believing for a better year. But I know internationally it's not looking so good at the moment, but God is in control, and we need to uh, get back to the fortress called hope, and we need to stay in that fortress because it's unassailable. If you have hope, the devil can't knock at your door. He can't create a siege around you and knock that castle down because it is a fortress that cannot be shaken. Bill Heibel says lost people can still be found, sick people can still be healed. The world is asking today, is this how it'll all end? Is there no hope? Will war, poverty, violence, terrorism increase and keep on increasing? And Hybels emphatically says, no, Christians of all people must radiate hope. We've got it to carry. And you may have come to this meeting this morning, uh, you may have been brought by a friend, and you may not be a Christian, you may not be a believer in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, going to church doesn't make you a child of God. The Bible says, as many that receive Him, who believe in His name, He gives them power to become children of God. And when you become a child of God, Father implants hope. Heaven is not running around in despair, saying, oh my goodness, the world's out of control. What are we going to do? Father knows exactly what he's going to do. He's in control. He sits on his throne. When he looks down at the nations and sees the wicked plotting against the righteous, it says he laughs because he knows the end of the wicked. He knows what he's going to do. And it goes on to say that Psalm 2, Jesus says, Father, give me the nations for my inheritance. How many believe that Jesus is going to get what he asks? How many believe Father's going to answer the prayer of His Son? That's a prayer that's going to get answered. The nations will become His inheritance. So let's not be shaken this year by what we see out there. Let's not be shaken by our personal circumstances. Let's stand deeply in the fortress called hope. And let's pass that hope on to others. 
Brendan's going to come in a little moment because we have to head off to the city very soon, and he's going to give an opportunity for anyone here that needs to connect to the Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Ask Him to forgive you, or maybe come back to Him. Perhaps you've come, and you've been away from God, and you know, one of the great things you can do at the beginning of 2015 is reconnect your life to Jesus and start this year connected with God. But can we just stand as I close? Because there's one thing I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. I I was just kind of, it came to me, there's this quote of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a great Baptist, Victorian Baptist preacher, preached in London, attracted thousands of people to hear him. He was so eloquent. And he said this about faith, hope, and love, because the Bible says faith, hope, and love abide, and the greatest is love. Those three things will cause us to abide. And and this is what Spurgeon said about faith, hope, and love. He says, faith walks up the stairs that love built and looks out the window hope open. And I felt like the Holy Spirit say, quote that to the people this morning because I want them this year to walk up the stairs that Father has built in love for you this year. The step up. God has built stairs for you and I to walk up this year, but it's going to take you faith to go up them. You can stay at the level of 2014. You can go downwards, uh, uh, discouraged by events that are happening in the world. Or you can say, I am in faith, stepping up. Or as you may said, in faith, stepping out. I am stepping up the stairs that God and Jesus in His love is built. And I'm looking out. I'm going to look out in 2015, the window that hope opened. And I'm going to see further than I saw in 2014. And I'm going to see great and wonderful things that God is going to show me. How many are willing to do that? I want to. Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven. I'm going to pray quickly because I want the Holy Spirit to just come and minister this in a fresh impartation of hope today. Father, all over this room. Now, we're going to have more time in this evening service for Holy Spirit ministry and uh, be less preaching and more ministry, so there'll be more time tonight. But right now, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will sweep through this place. In Jesus' name. I ask you, Spirit of God, that you would hover over every person right now. I pray where hope has been lost, it will be restored. I break any sense of hopelessness and despair and discouragement and disillusionment and disappointment and cynicism. I break it off in the name of Jesus Christ. I release a fresh impartation of hope right now in the name of Jesus. Receive the the Holy Spirit as the one that will cause us to overflow with hope. Holy Spirit, would you touch our hearts and lives lives right now. I release the anointing of the Spirit all through this room in Jesus' mighty name. In G- receive that fresh touch of the Spirit. Receive that fire of hope burning. It, that's it. It's going to burn like a fire in you. Receive that fire of hope in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to picture that stairway today. That stairway of love that God has built saying, come up higher. I want you to picture it. And in, your, and in your spirit, I want you to take a step of faith.
saying, okay, here I go, Lord, in faith. I'm stepping up the stairway. I'm climbing that stairway this year. And when I get to the top, I'm going to look out the, win the window that hope opened. You're going to show me great and mighty things that I've never known. In the name of Jesus, I pray an impartation of faith to walk those stairs. In the name of Jesus, I pray over every life this year that we'll not stay on the same level, we'll not go down, but we decree we're going to step up those stairs this year in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'll open a mighty window of hope for every life here in Jesus' name that we'll see what you see and have a confident and patient expectation of it. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand for what he's going to do. Thank you, Brendan. Bless you.